Hey everybody, this is Kim Justice and you're listening to the Scene World Podcast. It's the Scene World Podcast. My name's AJ, his name is Jurg. Noodles and onions, they went out to get some dinner or something. Nice, nice. <laughs> so in a minute... We have Dan Wood and Ravi Abbott from from the Retro Hour podcast. So that's momentarily. Exactly. The competition coming to hang out. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm glad that all, we... Aren't we all a big, big family? <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that we went back to being a normal podcast before they, before they came in the room. <laughs> It's always good. Well, how normal can it be, considering that it's involved? We do all the crazy stuff. I mean, we are involved in so many things. Is there (laughs) anything we didn't do yet? Not so. Not so much. Not. Not yet. Not yet. So. So yeah. So before we get to them, we've got some news items. Um, Do you want to start? Do you want me to start? Yeah. Sure. I can start. Okay. So there has been discovered a previously unreleased wrestling game for the NES, which was purchased by Steven Arkin81 Reese, who is a YouTuber and specializes in retro games. And he purchased some games from a former Nintendo employee who was selling off some of his old stuff. And uh, this game is actually... Um, UWC Wrestling, a game that was, um, well, that was never released, actually. Hmm. Interesting. So, well, why it was never released is not so sure, but it's it's assumed it's probably because of not getting licenses. Or because it's terrible. Yeah. Well, it's actually not so terrible. I mean, the gamer dot com actually released an article about it that includes um a youtube video with footage of the game it's a pretty good hmm. it's a pretty good game yeah um and they write the incredible thing about uwc wrestling is that's although it's only a prototype for an unreleased game it's actually playable yeah hmm. well so it's basically <laughs> almost finished and yeah. um, the good thing is that this YouTuber made um, a video later on where he announced that the game was preserved. So hmm. the ROM was dumped from the prototype cartridge and it will be released on the internet for free download, I believe. Cool. Um, cool. So that's actually pretty neat. Now, United UWC Wrestling, that's the United Wrestling Coalition, maybe? Um which, which I don't, I don't see. That's a UWC is a wrestling coalition that is based in New Jersey, strangely. But okay. it, it says here it was founded in 1998, so I doubt that could be the same as that game. Because hmm. I, I would think that game would be would have been made long before 98. 98 was was towards the end of the NES's run. Mm, not really no well according Actually, to this the, it's a, end... it's for, the game is from 1988 so that, that yeah. predates 
UWC? Actually, it's not true. One of the latest games commercially released for the NES was DuckTales 2, which was released by Disney in 93. Hmm. So 88 was not so much the end of the NES. Yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, according to this article, it stands for Universal Wrestling Corporation. So I don't know what that is. Yep. But so that that's kind of cool that that exists. Uh, yep. I've got one here. Um, there's a piece of hardware I've been seeing snippets about, but I really don't. I have I haven't really had an idea of what it is that I'm looking at until till just now. Um, it's called the the C two fifty six Phoenix or fo, fo, Phonix. I understand it's supposed to be Phoenix, but it's spelled F-O-E-N-I-X, which is not how you spell Phoenix. Um, but this is marketed as a new retro computer based on the 65816 running at 14 megahertz. And the idea is to come up with a computer that could have possibly followed the 128 if things would have been different at Commodore. So I don't know what really the, the, where this fits into the, the zeitgeist of C64 and Commodore stuff, but but mock-ups for the case have just been released. Mm, nice. So it's an interesting project. We'll put a link in the description to the webpage where they have like a donate link and stuff. I don't know really how far along it is and if it's going to be something that, that goes someplace, but it's kind of cool um, along the lines of the Mega 65, I guess, but with less hardware support but you know the 8-bit guy is also working on designing his own his own computer his own machine have you you seen that no no but i i only knew that he released this uh real-time strategy game that was uh, that was also already cool i got a i got a um copy of that yeah planet x2 exactly yeah i've got that too no he's um there's a Facebook group about it, which is obnoxious because it's he, he's making a computer. It's called the Commander, I think it's called um, the Commander 16 or something. Um, and he's, be my wing commander. No, well, it's a play on Commodore. Ah, you know, it's another rank, but but he's it's it has to use modern components off you know off the shelf stuff that's still being pr- produced, so it's not like older stuff. And he's got a Facebook group where it's pretty much just a an, an unending barrage of people um, insisting that certain things be included, and and none of these people are going to get their way because it's pretty much you know designed by board. Okay. But so he's working on that. So I this maybe along the same lines as that. It's another sort of retro ish machine that's being made or being designed. But we'll see how that goes, and, and I'll put links to both of those things in the description so people can check out uh, the Epic Guys stuff, Dave's stuff, and this. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so looks like we are at the age of re-releases for software and at the age of um, make your own computer. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which, Which raises the question... How many uh, new retro-focused um, platform computers you can support? Well, uh, yeah. Some of these are just 
you, you know, it, and, it, and it falls into the same um, the same trap that the Mega sixty five falls into, which is that there's just no there's no installed software base for it, and you're never going to have a huge user base of people using the machine to pull that software. It's kind of like with electric cars, where where people won't adopt an electric car unless until there's charging stations everywhere. But pe- but no one's going to put charging stations everywhere until everyone has electric cars. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like there's it's it's a it's a it's missing part of the component with the Mega sixty five. Um, we're missing the software for it. We don't have any real installed base of software because the because the 65 was never a machine that was made you know it wasn't it never went to market Mm. so it's having a commodore 65 or a mega 65 is a cool novelty and and i guess because it can emulate the 64 to some degree that kind of makes up for that but a lot of these other machines you're not going to have a huge base of software for and you're not going to have a huge amount of people using them because because there's you know, either it's a kit machine that you have to kind of put together yourself, or you're looking at me funny. But isn't it um, FPGA based? So isn't it implementation rather than emulation? Which which what are you talking about? Because you said it emulates a Z64, but if it's FPGA based, but what I believe it is, it would not be emulating the Z64, but um, implementing this yes but it's even with the original 65 it's it's c64 mode was not was not perfect it was not like the 128s where you had a c64 built into it 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 didn't work that way but 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 even that isn't perfect there is still software that doesn't run it very very little software but and with the 128 it's really with the 128 it feels more like another revision of the 64 you know, because it's still a VIC two, and it's still you know, it's just yeah. got a little bit extra that might make it wonky. Actually, Whereas, it's three computers in it. A yeah. CPM also is also separated right. machine in there. Right, right. Whereas the um, the sixty five, I think the sixty five does emulate the some of the sixty four stuff because it's got the VIC three, which does not work. It's not the same as the VIC two, so it has to pretend to be a VIC two. And this and the processor is the. 4502 or something it's something weird like that so it's not there's a lot of it that does not that is not the same as the 64 and it has to pretend to be i think the sid is the only thing that's still a sid mm. but but yeah so i you know i don't know what how either of these are going to do as, as far as marketing i i know that that with with dave the 8-bit guy he's mostly just he, he wants a machine that he can you know experiment with and stuff which is cool mm. but i don't know how how marketable it's going to be as far as selling and getting getting a user base of more than you know 50 people right when you can get an amiga or or a 64 or an atari or something and have thousands and thousands of of titles that you can just grab and play right off the shelf Mm. whereas with this either you got to make it or you got to wait for somebody else to make it and and in which case the things just sitting there collecting dust until that time well well the the big problem is also with such big projects where a lot of people are involved that uh, sometimes things fall flat because of people fighting each other. Yes. Remember, oh, yeah. remember um, Jerry Ellsworth against Jens mm-hmm. Schoenfeld. Yep. Which meant the Commodore One wasn't the computer it was meant to be. Right. Right. And then um, 
you know it ended in Jens saying, okay, I'm selling all the assets. Um, yep. yep. So that's um, actually <laughs> a dead born system in a way. I mean, yeah. I mean, I have one. I, I, I used it for like uh, a week and then I figured, okay, um, it's not it's not really wonderful um, <laughs> unfortunately um, so uh, or the Vega plus which is yeah. also oh, another God. story where you think like wow <laughs> what a, what is one a... of them just showed up on eBay a couple of weeks ago and there was a big brouhaha because it was a pre-production version it wasn't one of the v2s which I guess the v2 had a bunch of the games taken out of it and and it wasn't you know, it, it was a lot crappier. This is one of the very first versions that was, uh, like 3D printed and was used as a demo unit in the very beginning. So it's got a couple hundred games and it showed up on eBay and I think it got pulled off of eBay because it was pretty much just stolen material. Ooh. Well, so the big problem here is let's hope that such teams like the Mega 65 won't fall apart. Yeah. Because that's not, not only is the issue of getting user bases supporting the machine, but also the creators not falling apart. Um, yeah. Well, Mega sixty five seems to be doing pretty good. They're they're it's a slow, steady slog, but they're they're doing it. And again, the great thing with that is that when it is done, they're they will be selling some units, which will be pretty expensive. But they're also going to be releasing the the schematics to the machine Open to source, the public yeah. domain so that anyone you know if you want to make your own you know Jens could go and, and produce one of his own to release through individual hmm. you know or anybody else that wanted to do it could could make their own production board through this you know it won't be as you know the mega 65 guys will have the case and the drive and the keys and all that stuff to go along with it which would be nice but you could just get a but anybody else could just get one and throw it in like a 128 case and have the full keyboards and all that junk or a 64 case, you know. Hmm. I still hope the 128RM is happening. I, I do too. I really like the idea of that. I, and I see it's still there. The site is still there. There's not too much information on it. I'm hoping he's slogging away at it. We talked to him a few podcasts ago and it seemed really, um, it seemed like it had a lot of potential. And I'm I'm still jazzed about it. I still want to see that happen. And he he spoke like he knew what he was talking about. Oh, definitely, he definitely knew what he was talking about. There, Siri. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right on cue. Speaking of of Jens, we talked last time about how um, he may be dumping some of the uh, the Commodore stuff, depending on how these dumping the Amiga stuff, you know. Um, there is currently, for anyone who is upset about the possible disappearance of some accelerator boards, um, there is a new accelerator being developed um, for the 1200. It is called the uh, the Warp 1260. It is a 68060 at 50 megahertz, which can, which can be overclocked up to 100 megahertz. It's got 256 megs of RAM, RTG graphics, uh, fast hardware blitter, port for optional flicker fixer, um, 16-bit stereo audio codec, onboard fast ATA CF ports, 
uh, additional cash, and there's an ARM MCU that isn't being used. Hmm. Nice. That has just been released. Uh, there, there, information about that has been released. There's no price announced. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be ludicrous because, I mean, just a six, just a sixty-eight oh sixty will set you back over a hundred bucks just for the processor. Um, and it's supposed to come out later this year. Oh, and the Turbo Chameleon version two by Individual Computers is yeah. back available in the store too. Sweet. Yeah, it was available. It wasn't available for a few years, if I remember correctly. And the prices yeah. on eBay were insane for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were approaching super CPU prices, which is kind of <laughs> ridiculous. Because I, I mean, they're over a thousand. I just saw a super CPU that was they were asking almost two thousand dollars for. I know, yeah. The, the Turbo Chameleon at this point is faster than the Super CPU, and it's like, what, 300 bucks? Yeah. And Jens always said, like, don't throw your money on eBay. I will make um, new batches, but yeah. people were not patient enough. Mm -hmm. Gotta have it now. Yeah. There, there seem to be a lot of people with deep pockets. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I wouldn't ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got oh. a super CPU though. How much did you pay for that? Well, I bought it um 21 years ago at the uh -huh. original price, which was like 200 um around 280 euros. Okay. Which was the original price? Yeah. Oh, you got it from CMD. I got it from CSW Publishing. He is he was the uh, German distributor, one of the German distributors of CMD. Yeah. So okay. I bought the original package with uh, the Super CPU 64 version two, and um, the Super RAM card with 60 mm -hmm. megabytes of RAM. I've saved a lot of. <laughs> pocket money and Christmas money and money from relatives, aunts money, um, b birthday money, just yeah. to be able to buy this one and, thing. And now, and I never, never regretted, never regretted it. And now, if you need to buy a house, you can just put it on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. Well. That's that's the news I've got so far. Okay. But you 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 said you 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 sent me a link to to this new piece of hardware for um, better graphics. Oh yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's an FPGA based video enhancement for the sixty four. Um, Copper Dragon is a modder that has created an enhancement. That'll improve the quality and overall video signal coming from the 6040 to your monitor. So, yeah, it looks like a little FPGA board with a VIC adapter. Um, that cleans up the uh, the output signals. Nice. And you have to you have to build it yourself. Yeah, yeah, you do. Ooh. But there's instructions on how to do it, and you know maybe. It'll end up being produced. Uh, yeah, this, but this is one of those things, too, where I'm looking at the video that it produces, and it's nice and very sharp. And again, 
this stuff wasn't meant to be sharp. I know. You have yeah. to, in, in Europe, you have this pulpler. Yes. Because of the mashed up um, colors and all this stuff. And I think NTSC has something similar. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I was using um, with my Amiga, with my Amiga 500. I've had that hooked up for a while now. And I was using it with a uh, with a with a VGA monitor because it's got a scan doubler in it, and it's got you know. So I've got VGA output going to it, and it's a nice sharp picture, and it looks really good. But I didn't want to lug that monitor out, so I just hooked it up to the same S video monitor that that because you know I've got S video is I've got a little adapter that turns the RGB signal into S video. So I plugged that into the thing that I use for the sixty four and. And it's a whole different world. This, this stuff looks totally different under under S video with this fuzzier picture. And it's like, oh wait a minute, this is what it's supposed to look like. The graphics look better, fuzzier. Even though I can't see every individual pixel, and and God forbid I use an interlace mode because my eyes will bleed from the flicker. It's it's it. This is what it's supposed to look like. I know. And it's not like um, like you you can't get um, a C64 um, reloaded mm -hmm. with S video out, right? Right. Or or um, or you know or like um, well, I have to say the 1084 monitor that I mainly use for the mm -hmm. Commodore 64 has a perfectly sharp picture. Oh yeah, oh god yeah, and that's the same thing as as the thing I've got. It's a flat panel that I have. It's a it's a sharp and it's it's but it's an SD flat panel, so it's it's the same kind of pixel size as you get as a on a 1080. Uh, and and this thing, the the image I get with S video for my 64 is. Easily just as good as what I used to get on my 1902 with the, the separate, you know, chroma luma signals or the 1802 that I had or any of the monitors that I had. It, way better than the 1702 that I had. You know, that hmm. was a very sharp, usable picture. Because you got to remember the pixels on a 64 are not that small mm -hmm. compared to, you know, compared to the pixel sizes of, you, you know, I think those were like 640 by 480. The actual yeah. pixels on your on your monitor, and the sixty four is putting out three twenty by two hundred. So it's yeah. it's roughly the same, you know, you know, bigger pixels than what your screen has. So there's really no upscaling or anything like that needed. It's already like it, it can't get much sharper than that. But then you have things for solutions. Um... Like FrameMeister, which mm -hmm. is the most known solution for putting um, old retro computers and consoles on modern TFT or OLED displays. They don't belong on that dis those displays. It it, it doesn't. Yeah. And as much as I'm all for adapting it and, and be using it on newer stuff, like it just doesn't look good on on high-def displays. It just doesn't. Oh, did we mention last time that Nintendo announced Link's Awakening will be no, rebooted for the Switch? We did not. Well, though the um, Game Boy Classic game of uh, Link's Awakening hmm. will be um, rebooted for the Switch. Cool. This this means there will be now three versions because there was an original Game Boy version, then there was this 
Link, ähm, ähm, Zelda, sorry, um, actually, yeah, it's called Zelda Link's Awakening. And the original Zelda was for the Game Boy, for the classic Game Boy. Then there was um, Zelda Link's Awakening DX for mm. the Game Boy Color. And now there will be this one for um, the Switch. Okay. Yeah. So we are in the age of reboots again. Yeah. Right. And that would be all the news I have. That's all I got. Right. So, back to the British podcasters. Dan and Ravi are sitting right there, quietly waiting for us to finish up, and we've talked for way too long. So, As always. Yeah. So let's go flip over to them. So, today we are talking with uh, Ravi Abbott and Dan Woods, right? Yeah, exactly. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to the podcast. Right. So um, let's let's start a bit with how did you actually got into um, retro computing, or as, as other people say, computer trash collection or something. <laughs> I'll let you go first, Ravi. Uh, yeah, I I was always into Amiga. I was like hugely passionate, and uh, I kind of kept with it till two thousand and one, which was crazy. So it was it was still modern. It wasn't retro for me then, but then. I uh, started using PCs like everybody else and ended up kind of getting more into the old scene, looking at stuff like the Dreamcast, which I've never really played with, and started going to more events as well. So I started going, seeing lots of people out there, and then thought, why don't I do some YouTube videos, put them out there, and that's how I met Dan. Yeah, I think my my story's pretty similar. I mean, I I grew up with um, Commodore machines, the, uh, the Commodore Plus 4, was my first computer. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that one. I'm, it was, so, um, I'm so, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't one of their most uh, popular machines. Um, but then, yeah, after that, I got an Amiga as well. I mean, we had a few consoles and stuff at home too. But really, it was kind of, you know, I, I got out of computers really for a few years when I went away to university in the early 2000s. Um, I got into, you know, DJing and music and girls and that kind of thing. You know, I wasn't a nerd for about, about two years. Um, and then rediscovered my love for, you know, these classic machines. I think for me, getting back into retro was probably, I think I bought a game off eBay. Um, didn't even have a machine to play it on. Just thought I, I wouldn't mind like a, an Amiga game just to put on the shelf or something. And this was about 2005, probably. And the guy I, br- I bought it off actually gave me the Amiga 600 for free with the game. Um, then I set it up and started playing games again. So that was really what got me back into retro, really. So before eBay went uh, high wire and uh, prices went up. Wow! I, I got it fi- five pounds. I, pl- I paid wow. for the Amiga 600. Yeah. Wow! I invite <laughs> you already. It's interesting because I I always have discussions with seller like, "What you sent me is trash. I can't play the game because it doesn't load." I'm like, "Why are you even playing the game? I thought you put it on your shelf just to look at it." I'm like, "No, I'm actually using my retro machines." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry for that. Um. <laughs> well, the games are there to be played, aren't they? I, I agree. I mean, now if I buy software or games or whatever, I, I want to use it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not like a, a software collector at all anymore. I buy stuff to play with it. Yeah, uh, I, I'm a big collector. This is my uh, CD32 collection. <laughs> so very nice. nerdy. Yeah, <laughs> I love collecting games, but I do play them as well. I don't keep them wrapped in the packages. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and um, my friends in the retro scene, they are, they are getting t- 
tears when I get a 83, you know, um, a game for the Commodore 64 and I unwrap it. <laughs> so, uh, like, unopened and uh, the first time I have this smell of the early Smelly 80s. 80s yeah. Yeah, amazing. Well, I, I get that. I, I actually did a video on YouTube um, of the Atari Jaguar. That's yeah, one of the few systems I'm trying to get a full collection for. I mean, I do play the games on it too, but it's there's not that many games for it, so they're actually quite, you know, you can collect the full set. Uh, but I unwrapped a few games, you know, unboxed them that had never been opened, and the hate I got from people, they were furious that I dared open them, and I'm like, you know, these games were made to be played. Yeah. <laughs> Unleash the uh, YouTube comments on you. <laughs> oh, they did. They went to town. So how, how did it go from there? I mean, making your... Um, biggest podcast in retro in the uk is quite a big step i guess from from you know starting from collecting games and playing them and rediscovering the old computers so that's a big step yeah i mean it was a few years after really that we we got into the pod i mean i did a podcast about 12 years ago actually you know when podcasting had its first kind of wave um one called logic weekly it was kind of a you know rip off of um this week in tech that I did with an American guy called uh, Creighton. Um, we did that for a while, but then podcasting seemed to kind of vanish a bit, didn't it, towards the end of the last decade? Um, and then, like, like Ravi said, both of us were doing YouTube. That's how Ravi and I met because, you know, we lived in the same town. We both had YouTube channels. Um, then I think we were, we're actually in Amsterdam, weren't we, Ravi, when we came up with the idea? Yeah, because uh, we'd gone to the Amiga 30 event in Amsterdam. And it was kind of like we decided to report it together and we made like a little cheesy video <laughs> it was quite good uh but we didn't get any hits or anything so we thought well we're interviewing these people and you know people aren't being able to hear it so we kind of got together said let's make a podcast and dan's got a lot of radio experience i i'd done pirate radio when i was a kid djing and stuff like that but <laughs> nothing professional so uh he suggested podcasting and just when we started was when the kind of podcasting wave started again Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we only intended to do like one or two episodes and kind of see how it went. And then I think one of our first episodes, we got like a, about a thousand listeners and we were like, wow, like, you know, we couldn't believe it. So <laughs> interesting about this event you mentioned. Um, it was actually famous for Petro, uh, Petro Tichenko writing the longest complaint <laughs> post in, in the life of Facebook about how bad organized this event was. Um, oh, I I did an interview with him there, and I was like, you know, I wanted to know about all the ESCOM stuff, Gateway, and everything, and I interviewed him, and I got nothing out of him. He was just totally uh, closed, you know. Seriously? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've I've got it on YouTube. It's about three minutes long because that's the only footage I could use. Oh, and the end is like enough about that now, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Actually, the way I got to know about you, Dan, is actually uh, YouTube suggested me your David Plasson's interview. Yeah, yeah. And this is how, <clears throat> this is how I got to know you, and <clears throat> a bit later at the Amiga 32 event. In Neuss, Germany, I actually met him, and thanks to your interview, I knew who he was. So, <laughs> well, and, I've been um, working quite closely with David over the last couple of years. I mean, I've actually just um, this week actually just finished his audio book. Um, I've, I've narrated the audio book um, that I finished on. I think it was Thursday. It took me about four months to do it, um, so it took quite a while. I've been spending about five hours a day in the studio for the last couple of weeks editing it. 
and everything's finally finished. But yeah, really interesting story. Um, I don't know if you guys have read his book, have you? Yeah, sure. Um, amazing. Yeah, and the no, first really time we met him was at Amiga 30 as well. That was like the first time David came back to the Amiga scene as well. <clears throat> he was clueless about all the gateway stuff and all the later <laughs> stuff that had happened, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Most a sad story that this all ended in Germany the way it did. Um, so, so I wonder, um, because... I was also a guest at your show, and you do this weekly. Yeah, this must be incredible to oh, speak to Lord. pioneers weekly. I mean, AJ and I, we are happy if we talk to a person every month. You know, because a lot of lot of times you email people, you make up arrangements, and then it's not happening, or they don't answer you. And mostly, what I do is I call people on the phone because you get more more likely a response. Than via email. I don't know if you have the same experience. And, and this is almost a full-time oh. gig doing it just monthly with yeah. the amount of editing and everything else. We had no idea what we were letting ourselves in for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're like, every week, that'll be fine. You know? But, but Ravi gets most of the guests, to be fair. You, you do work hard on that, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I um, basically chat to a lot of people online. And if you have you know, mutual friends, so you can say, oh, this guy's been on the show then it gets easier. Like, when we first started, it was hard. I'm not going to lie. We had a few times where we were just waiting the night before for the phone to ring. <laughs> like, yeah. I think we had five minutes to go and uh, yeah. no guests. So, you know, there's hard times, but now it's a lot easier talking to people, kind of on Twitter as well. It's so direct with the internet that you can just tweet someone, DM them straight away. It's mad. Interesting. So, um, I, uh, actually, we had a lot of guests that we had in common, the two of, two of us, actually. And um, <clears throat> sometimes I figure it's uh, sometimes a lot of su uh, surprise from people how we got that person. And um, when we first started it, people asked us if this is fake or we really talked to that person question. So what was the first reaction when you started the podcast? Did you always uh, did you also get um, responses in disbelief or I, 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 I'm not sure, but I think um, from my experience, the veteran area is very skeptic when you come up with something new. Yeah, I mean, we do we do get people saying, oh, I can't believe you got that person. How did you get them? Um, I don't think we've ever had anyone say, is that fake or not? Yeah, yeah, we've, that's a new one. We haven't had that yet, but um, yeah, we'd often get people that are like astounded that you managed to get someone, especially, um, I think it's, it's not always like the, the really big names. Sometimes it can just be someone who maybe did something but has never spoken about it. I think that's some of my favorite interviews that we do. Um, we've had a few, like, you know, we had Tony Takushi on like this weekend and, um, it was, you know, the, the first, first time we'd really spoken about a lot of the stuff that we did talk about since the 80s, you know, he said, I'm trying to wrap my memory and it's been 30 years since I even mentioned all this. So when you get people like that, who, um, you know, you're kind of the first person to document that story, that's, that's always a bit of an honor, really, I guess. Yeah, I have the same feeling. Um, and sometimes you, you are really nervous, like when we talk to um, Charles Martinet. Um, I, I think H.A. remembers that uh, pretty much. Um, yeah, I remember that because my so. microphone malfunctioned. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the, we, we do get a bit starstruck sometimes. There has been a couple. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, Rabbi's had a couple like of his all-time favorite games, like you know that you grew up playing when you were when you were a kid, and yeah. And the the worst thing is as well recording an episode and kind of, you know, if we delete an episode, we've not done that yet, but record over an episode or something. Mm-hmm. God, that would be awful if we had an interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Oh. Yeah. I check it constantly as it records, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we switch to Skype cloud recording, so Skype is doing the job for us. Well, I'm Pretty doing easy. the regular call recording as well, just as a backup, because, again, ah, okay. I don't trust anything. Worst we had was with live shows and uh, losing recordings on live shows or the buttons not being pressed on the little audio recorder or something like that. Oh, we, we tried so many solutions. Yeah, we we got like you know really high end like Zoom recorders and all that kind of thing. We had a nightmare with them. In the end, we ended up just buying like a laptop and plugging that in via a, a USB or a line in, and yeah, you can see it on screen. Then cheap, so you know it cheap laptop, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, um, what is the achievement you are the most proud of, actually? Hmm. I, I'd probably say Play Expo London because. That was crazy. We we had to host talks live on stage. And, God, it was like 12 talks in two days. Yeah. And and I think we had like five minutes between each one. So Dan was just <laughs> shoving food down his face. I was getting some water. And, God, it was just crazy. Yeah. And we, we did like what we do. How many of those events did we do last year? Because we do four for Play Expo every year. And they're all similar. They're like... Um, they're the biggest retro gaming events in the UK, and we partnered with them probably about what, two years ago now, is it? About, about yeah. two years ago? Um, we about ten, 10 events last year. Yeah, but we, we host all their talks throughout the weekend, so we'll get there on a Saturday, do about five panels, then Sunday the same five panels again, and we do them all over the UK, like London, Manchester, Glasgow, Blackpool. Um, so we're already getting those lined up this summer as well, and we kind of control you know, the, the lineup of who's going to be there too. We get a lot of kind of um, say in which guests we're going to invite to the show and, um, you know, doing the podcast in front of a live audience is something else. Because, you know, when we started doing it, I mean, you see numbers of downloads and stuff on a screen, but until you meet people in person, um, they don't seem like real people. They're just numbers on the screen, aren't they? But when when you're doing an event and you've got like 500 people in front of you and like they're all coming up to you and saying they love the show and they listen every week, that's like that makes it all worthwhile, I think. Mm. So you never thought you would uh, be so successful so quick? No, no, I, no. We, we literally <laughs> no, did it just to try out. Yeah, I mean, we thought if ten people listened, great, but yeah, it, it just kind of snowballed, really. And it was kind of like our first guest was Alistair Brimble, and I'd interviewed him before, and it was like this is a name that I used to see on all the Amiga titles when I was a kid, Alistair Brimble, and I'd be like, this music's amazing. So that was it, just to get those guys out there. And more yeah, people and th- to hear about them, you know. Yeah, I think that's one of the aims that we we had, isn't it? I mean, it's we we get people on our show that we want to know their stories as well, and we're interested in them. And you know, it, it, we we have ver- various guests. It could be you know, um, people that ran companies or made games, or we we often get YouTubers on, or maybe other other podcasts as well, just because it's good conversation and anything we talk about, we find it fascinating too, which which I think really helps. But you stick with the retro theme. You're not breaking out into other areas, I guess. Well, the show is called the Retro Hour, so uh, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of limited to that. I guess. We do we do some stuff about hacking as well, yeah. but that 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 kind of goes into the retro stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, that's one thing we said. We, it's not just games. Our show. I mean, gaming is like the main part of it, but it, we had like Captain Crunch on, 
John Draper last year. You know, <laughs> about, um, yeah, phone well, freaking and. Uh, well, he is special. Our, yeah, it was, you know, it was really interesting. Our chat. favorite person. Yeah, it was like you know being able to talk about really geeky stuff like that. You know, <laughs> phone freaking and hacking, and uh, we had um, we've had people on talking about old mainframes in the '60s and doing mud games on them and the ARPANET and. You know, we're both interested in computers as well as games, so we do cover that too. Hmm. Do you have a script where you write down what you want to ask, or do you just go in a conversation? Yeah, yeah. How do you do the podcast? Because because we need we need tips because we're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we do tend to do guide questions. So, say we're doing an interview with someone, and it's going to be like an hour long, and we'll maybe edit that down to like forty forty five minutes. Um, we generally do about maybe 25, 30 like, guide questions just to kind of get the narrative in place. But often when you, you're chatting, you know, other questions will just spring up. But mm -hmm. we like to have, do a bit of research beforehand and have a bit of structure. Yeah, we do like about an hour or two research for each guest and then put out about 30 or 40 questions. And then we can just go through them on the interview. And if like the other person's not that well informed, you can go off your microphone and just explain the kind of thing. And it, it works well because it means one of us is only doing the research so they can kind of conduct the flow of the interview mm -hmm. and uh, lead to questions that lead to more kind of interesting answers or, you know, new knowledge. Yeah, we, we try and do it like um, we, we've talked about it like, like, a, like a sandwich, really. So, you know, we'll start off with like, you know, your introductions and your hellos and the early bit. And then the meat in the middle of the sandwich is the main bit of the story that we want to know about. That's when... They had this famous game in the 80s or 90s. And then the other piece of bread, the end of the sandwich is kind of what they're doing now and maybe any products they want to promote. But we, we kind of like trying to do a story arc. So it kind of goes from start to finish. I hope that was a joke that we are terrible because I don't think so, AJ. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I've watched you guys. You're very good. <laughs> we're, we're very good at editing. <laughs> editing to make it look like oh, we, we know what we we're doing. <laughs> Yeah, always, always cut down. Never do an interview too short. Yeah, always do it too long and you know trim it. Yeah. Well, one thing that I always notice is that when you talk to people from abroad, you often have to convince them because they tell us my English is too bad, and then you spend like weeks saying to them no, don't worry, it's not live. It will be okay. It will be fine. We will edit it. It will sound great. So how is it for you? Do you have the same problem, or don't people? bother about the language yeah i mean we, we've kind of had people say that before but i think people kind of they put themselves down that they, they don't think they're as good as they are so it's generally not a problem and if they're a big enough name or interesting enough people will come anyway <laughs> you know yeah. even if if the accent's hard they'll kind of they'll they'll bear with you know right yeah well just um Just so to know, um, are there other people you you didn't think you would get and you got in the end? Are there any names that um, surprised yourself you got them? I, I think the big one for us at first, that I remember in one of the, probably our first year, I think, well, we had two that I remember. When we got Tom Kalinske, you know, used to be the um, manager of Sega America. Um, literally, that was just, I think Ravi tweeted him one day and he replied next day, yeah, cool, I'll do it. And we're like, whoa, you know, we expected to have to work on that for ages. And yeah, you actually helped us get Nolan Bushnell on our show as well, which, you know, we're really grateful for. And he was on for our 100th episode. And um, as you guys know, because you, you had him on your show too, Jörg, it's like 
you've got to you know when you get to a certain level they've often got like pr people or agencies you've got to kind of go around the back door and they're always more difficult but sometimes the cold approach works but also there was um there was a show here in the uk i don't know if you guys are familiar with it called games master um that everyone watched in the early 90s um all the kids at school watched it it was like you know the video game show and there's a guy that used to be on there who actually runs a um he's called dave perry um, and he runs a tattoo shop these days, Got completely got out of video games. Uh, we tracked him down, I think, on Facebook, got hold of him, got him on to talk about, you know, for the first time ever, uh, talk about the show that everyone used to watch. And now he's actually quite active on the scene again. He started doing his own YouTube channel and his own podcast, and he's coming to live events and everything. But it was really us, like, tracking him down that got him back into it, which is really cool. Yeah, sometimes it, I take, like, 10 years to find somebody. Yeah. And some people, it's, for some people, it's, like, crazy. Anybody... Yeah anybody else would have given up up already you know <clears throat> yeah you have to do detective work sometimes don't you yeah. like trying to find them on linkedin or you know what what variation of their name are they on twitter and like you know look at friends lists and stuff so it can be a bit of like detective work going into it calling relatives in, in sweden <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> waiting outside the house <laughs> <laughs> the nicest thing for me is kind of when they come into the studio in person yeah um, We've had a guy, Ian Livingstone, he was like the founder of Games Workshop, and he also uh, did IDOS as well, so, you know, Tomb Raider and all of those games, and him coming in in person was amazing, he was telling us about how he started Games Workshop, and he was sleeping in a van for a while, and, you know, then it turned into this massive company, and he's actually from Nottingham, where it was uh, founded, so that was really cool. And he's got the knighthood as well, hasn't he? He's like, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's coming to town to do a talk. So he goes, I'll come in the studio and do it with you. So we're like, yeah, awesome. Norman Bushnell surprised me a bit that you didn't get a hold of him. Um, but I figured from from what I heard, he, he needs to have friends to refer to him. So yeah. I know Walter Day and Walter Day's things. Whoever I think is capable of talking to Nolan must, must be very good. So this is yeah. how... You got this reference because I said these guys they not they are knowing what they are doing so um, that is actually why. Um, but there are people generally who say they will never do an interview and and, and I think that's very le- uh, very sad because those stories will be lost forever mm. at some point. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the aims of our show. It's you know we want to get this stuff recorded for for you know, for future generations to listen to it. Otherwise, like you said, if if people don't make note of this and document it, no, you know, when we're, when we're, we're not here anymore in like, you know, 50, 100 years, whatever, no one will know about it. But you can't say to a person, I want to interview you before you die. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you say that we've actually had, you know, it's sadly a few of our guests that we've had in the last couple of years, probably about two or three of them have passed away since we did the interviews. So it's, um, it's great that we did get a chance to record them while they were alive. Uh, one that springs to mind, obviously, you guys all know Ben Daglish. Mm-hmm. Um, legendary Commodore 64 pro, uh, musician and he actually one of our early shows he came into the studio as well it was snowing really heavy snowstorm and he drove about 40 minutes in his car to come and sit with us you know we'd only been going oh. about maybe two months he was such a lovely guy though and like you know we had barely any audience then and but he actually came in and wanted to support the show in our early wow. days so okay. we're always very grateful for that yeah. and I think there was somebody from Cinemaware too that you interviewed and that he died afterwards, if I'm uh, not mistaken? Was it, we have Bob Wakelin, who did the ocean, ocean. art. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of 
who from cinema were. Um, yeah, but some, sure. we've had like we've had nearly 160 guests. Sometimes we forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I tell you the the search function on my new website is uh, saving me. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I the guy actually I was looking at his Facebook over Christmas and I thought he'd make a really good guest. And I was about to message him and I just, I just got you know distracted. And then Ravi made our new website and I saw this guy's name on there. We had him on two years ago. I nearly made a fool of myself and messaged him and asked him to come on, but <laughs> we'd already done it two years ago. Mm. Luckily, I did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I talked to some people for our history videos, and some people are already like 88 or something. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. and I, I think you often find the older they get, maybe they're they're more likely to do the interviews and talk about it because they want to, you know, leave their legacy as well. I guess, which is why sometimes when you get these names, who you think are uh, really famous people that would never do like, you know, a little podcast in England, but they actually will because yeah, they want to share their stories. I, I think that's probably part of it too. Right. Oh, interesting. So that means I will, I will keep asking people for 20 years. Yeah. Just keep yeah. going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Until they are too old to refuse. <laughs> never give that's, up. that's a good tactic. <laughs> I think a lot of people like, like uh, Bruce Artwick, we, we, we talked about, uh, just doesn't want to do it because, you know, it's it's the same story over and over, and he's done. He doesn't want to talk about it. But then, as like you said, as they get older, you know, you really want to get this stuff down and 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 um, preserved before yeah. before you can't do that anymore. Yeah, we, we've got a guest coming up this week. Actually, one of the things he said to us was, you know, I've told the story a million times. I'll do it, but only on the condition that you don't ask me the same questions that everyone else did. Mm -hmm. You know, so we're going to try and do something completely different with him, which. Is you know it's cool to do, right? I mean, I mean, we do that all the time, right? HA, I well, remember. Well, yeah, that's our. That's one of the main reasons that we wanted to yeah. do this was because yeah. you know we see interviews, we see podcasts, and people ask the same kind of questions, and it's like that's not what I want to know. I want to know about this stupid random other thing that nobody ever talks about. Yeah, you know, and that's that's kind of the the the, the fun part for us is is getting to dive into things that aren't just the cookie cutter, you know, how did you get started in computers and how did you start your thing, you know? Yeah. Or it might be a, that story you read in a magazine 25 years ago. Was it really true? You know? Like, right, like right. Yeah. 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 For example, um, when, when HA, I think it was Ron Gilbert, where he said he like, he coined the cutscene oh, yeah, yeah. phrase and he was like wow i'm surprised you know that <laughs> so um yeah that's uh, quite interesting hmm. yeah true. it's always good to have that research where like people are suddenly like oh i can't believe you knew about that yeah. <laughs> and it, it yeah, just that, takes them to a different book. place you know yeah yeah you're right it's always a buzz isn't it when they said wow you guys re have really did your research you're like yeah <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. So you guys also have, aside from the podcast, you've also got your own uh, YouTube channels where you do related stuff to to this. You, you also do retro stuff on that as well, correct? Yeah, I mean, we've both had YouTube channels for. God, I think when when did you start yours, Ravi? Like two thousand six? Yeah, just really, really early on, and then uh, I I kind of lost momentum <laughs> and then youtube got popular and i was like Bow. but i met dan through that so yeah and you got quite big didn't you for a while dan yeah i mean with my channel i've not done a video for about three months but I, i've been moving house and then we had christmas and everything we're gonna get back on back on with doing them probably next week um but yeah i mean it's kind of um my, our youtube channels are not really i mean we cover retro stuff and that on there but i also do like modern stuff like you know 
I did a video about mechanical keyboards and the Raspberry, the Raspberry Pi stuff is actually some of my most popular stuff on YouTube. Um, or it might be like digital radio reviews on microphones. So kind of, it's more just my channel stuff I'm interested in, but obviously the podcast does kind of, you know, attract a similar audience. Well, uh, I've been studying, um, kind of doing 4K recently and trying to edit that all day, and it's been driving me mad because I recently went to America and there was a huge IBM collection that uh, a, a collector had, and I filmed it. So I'm going to put that up on YouTube, and that's wow. about 20 minutes long, and it's got some like Rev A boards and very early IBM stuff. So. I'll be showing all of that. It should be good fun once I get this 4K madness sorted. <laughs> and and Ravi's building an Amiga laptop as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. I, at the moment, it's just for fun. It's kind of out of wood. Uh, we're trying to get it battery powered. It's a A600. Hmm. We're going to run it off lithium batteries, but uh, it's got the potential to blow up. So I'm going to leave it in the shed instead of in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Burn down the shed. Just, yeah. <laughs> spontaneously combust <laughs> and it's made out of wood you said yeah wood at the moment yeah okay <laughs> and then but, i'll make it smaller in the future hopefully interesting and then you make a kickstarter out of it and you sell it in big numbers exactly exactly <laughs> so I, I, I don't want to get into the hardware game <laughs> give the plans away for free but you then you are actually working um amiga related with um friends os Right? Yeah, I mean, they're kind of a bit more focused in, um, you know, I've worked with friends for about a year and a half, um, just on a freelance basis, you know, I kind of help them out doing videos and that kind of thing. Um, they've kind of moved quite away from their Amiga roots now. They're more into um, more the blockchain kind of community and, uh, you know, kind of internet on devices, that kind of thing at the moment. So it's getting a bit more into like the corporate side of stuff. But obviously, it's got, you know, Amiga and Commodore people working behind the scenes on it. Mm. yeah because i worked there as well i was coding like web apps for them yeah. and, uh, quite a lot of conversions of games and stuff and it's a nice os yeah it's uh, had some interesting ideas it's just I, i'm not a fan of the um cryptocurrency stuff uh, i prefer the amiga stuff basically yeah, yeah. so yeah it, it, it was good though you could you could run some nice stuff in there and uh there was some good work on there so uh i hope that they come out with something really cool in the future. Nice. It's, it's quite interesting that you guys are making so much similar things. <coughs> uh, sorry, I mean different things. And you are just two people. So you must, you must have um, no other free time doing all <laughs> that other stuff. Yeah, I have to get to the end of the week and think, where did this week go? Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it, it is a bit like that sometimes. Yeah, Dan's very busy all the time. I, I do web design freelance as well, so it's a bit more chilled out. But uh, I need to get out of the house and, you know, walk around the park and <laughs> make sure I don't get crazy. Right. What do you guys so, think yeah, of the, I, uh, the, uh, the Italian Commodore uh, resurgence, or not resurgence, but the, the phone stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I see it as, you know, it's a company who've got the, the name. And I think the hardware is just kind of imported from China, from what I've seen of it. So, but I mean, you know, no one's doing anything with, with the name. So if, if they can bring it back and make it successful, then fair play to them. I haven't seen it. Is it the old 
that that Commodore phone where it looked like an uh, Android one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Com- Commodore uh, Pet phone that came out last year. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I think it, it is just a standard Android phone with yeah, the Commodore logo. We, we got a demo device. unit and we did a review yeah. of it, and it was just you know it's it's just a generic. You know, it's 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 yeah. a it's an Orgitech phone from from China that they imported, and this is a new one, the Leo, that I guess hit production snags, and because they there was some dispute over the name, but they just won the right to use the name. And, yeah, uh, I think it's cool to see the name out there again. I mean, you know, if you could walk into a phone shop and see a big Commodore banner, that's going to be awesome. You know, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. so and play, it be the play with you, AE. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, they could start doing these phones, and then if they get popular enough, you know, they could branch out into other stuff. So hmm. it's cool that someone is doing something worthwhile with it. I wonder, as you are so famous, do you get a lot of requests? You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, pe- other, outside, yeah. <laughs> other other people say you are famous. You obviously don't think so yourself. Uh, where where is a couple of guys who? chat about nerdy stuff you know okay. so, yeah. <laughs> that's the way we see it and if people are interested in listening to it great <laughs> I, I think the best thing uh, that I've ever got because of the podcast has been free drinks so you go to a place and someone goes I like your podcast have a free drink and then oh. I'm ha- happy with that <laughs> I, I think there are some events we go to where we don't actually buy a drink all weekend <laughs> <They're often, laughs> that's so dangerous yeah. That's what we need to get, Jurg, because that's that's not the the recognition that we've been getting. We've just been getting like, oh, hey, you're that that dude, but then no one no one buys me anything free. No, I don't get any drinks. Maybe, then, maybe then, then you get drunk. <laughs> yeah, then you get drunk and you can't remember it next day. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you right there, Jurg? Yeah, sure. I'm wasn't. just having a bit of a cough today. Sorry for that. Uh, I, I've had that too. Yeah, nasty cold. Yeah, so I wonder, um, where do you want to go? Do you have any plans? I mean, you are growing quite big already, at, especially in the <clears throat> podcast uh, podcast field. Is there any other field you want to cover in the future? Are there any plans of um, ex- expansion? Yeah, well, I think we're up, we'd, we'd like to do our own kind of events. I mean, at the moment, we kind of piggyback on other events, but it would be cool if we can kind of get something of our own going. And we, we, have, we are in talks to – it's not going to be anything that's going to be huge at first, but we have got like, you know, maybe a few local ones in our town that we are going to be doing that we think will attract an interested crowd. Um, and in terms of the show itself, I mean, we've had a little refresh of it recently, got a new logo, a new website, and we're having a – a little change to the format soon, just tweaking things here and there to keep it fresh. Because, right. you know, we're into, our, uh, we're into our fourth year now. And it just, I think, so it doesn't get kind of, not that no major changes, just kind of give it a lick of paint, really, so it sounds a bit fresh. And so, also, the new website really helps because yeah. our old one was awful. <laughs> and <laughs> this one can basically really be a good foundation for us to start doing stuff like publishing maybe some news content, uh, retro yeah. articles, get some of our listeners to like contribute and get them more involved with the podcast. So it's not just me and Dan as well. Maybe if our listeners produce news, then we'll have more items to speak about. <laughs> yeah, I, I think yeah, Rabbi's right about that. It's one thing we want to do, kind of grow the community side of it as well um, and get the audience more involved. So, I mean, you know, we, we often do get a lot of news submissions you know, they'll send us stories that they've spotted, but it would be nice to have kind of a, a bit more of that going on on our website. And with the, with the logo, we redesigned that just a little bit recently to give it a bit more of our own identity. So it's something that we've 
come up with ourselves rather than you know being too heavily influenced on other things. You mentioned the homepage. Aren't most listeners using iTunes? Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot are using iTunes or apps on Android as well. But um, we on the homepage, the yeah, we're going to have competitions. We're going to do newsletters and stuff like that as well. But we might have a little merchandise store and stuff like that. So, so. Hmm. yeah. I think that is one way that we do generally get a lot of hits on our website. If we do competitions, I mean, go and get hundreds and hundreds of entries for some of the competitions that we run. Um, yeah. So that's one good way to drive traffic to it. But yeah, we'd, we'd like more of the audience to go on the website and interact with us a bit more that way rather than just downloading it on iTunes, for example. And then, interesting that you mention it. Yeah, interesting that you mention it. Because, um, you know, there is this uh, German, German site about... Um, video game stories where people talk about um, their childhood memories when they went to a store and bought the games and how the stores were and what was on the newspaper about video games and all that stuff. Uh, but but there's no English platform like that for, um, you know, video game related end user stories from abroad. The, the the those stories on the German page are all from Germany, and I I always think it would be great to have somebody to work with to make an English version of that, covering all the stories from all over the world, especially Latin America would be interesting or UK or something because I have no idea how how things in UK were or how things in America were you know, and and some sometimes people even made pictures you know. Like stupid pictures of a Toys R Us carrying um, Commodore 64 stuff or Amiga stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, I think everyone remembers their own game shop they used to go to as a kid, don't they? And yeah. you know that the shop you go to every Saturday. And yeah. So, yeah, so if you have if you have a little space in your homepage left, um, that's just something I would be totally working with you on. I can see Ravi doing it, look, looking at the the Already. HTML. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, that'd be good. We could have like, you know, users experiences or kind of memories as well. Because at the moment we've got uh, users images of them listening to the retro hour. So they're exactly. posting like a guy posted on a plane recently and stuff like that. Hmm. Quite fun. <laughs> we had yeah. a guy in India, didn't we? Post it yeah, outside a temple and stuff. And and Taj Mahal, that was... Taj Mahal, yeah. That was it, yeah. <laughs> wow. And we've had a guy in the, in the desert in Australia and someone up mountains in Alaska and yeah, it's like, you know, we, we had one like, which was really weird, but I can't find the picture anymore. It was a policeman who was cleaning his gun, and he had the retro hour next to it from Finland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that's, cool. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. Dark. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't that, see is, that, that is something that a lot of Americans don't understand, that wearing a gun is not really cool in Europe. Yeah, it's yeah. A bit scary. Yeah, I went to uh, uh, the South recently in America, oh, and God. they had uh, all the doors were like, "Leave your firearms outside. Check your weapons at the door." Yeah. <laughs> I <was> like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you were you were in the real South then. Uh, I went to Atlanta. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. It was quite good fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of food. Yeah. Yeah. When Ravi went away, we had to record about a month's worth of podcasts in like one week. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. So, well, I don't know. I don't know if you like the idea, but um, if you're up to it, maybe we should talk about it. Yeah, definitely. No, I think it's cool. Yeah. 
We could even make a category for it. So it comes yeah, because because I don't I don't think that um, our team has enough resources for yet another branch because we are doing or so time. much at Scene World. We don't have any time for it. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, yes. you, you know it. You interviewed me already. We do everything. Yeah, I was going to say you must be busy. See, yeah, you, you don't just do videos and podcasts. You do so much, don't you? Which is actually a good question. Did you did you ever consider doing more, like growing your team and doing more stuff, or are you fine with just you and Ravi and and the two of you and not doing more um, group stuff? Well, we, we do have a slightly bigger team. There's a guy called Joe who um, mm. he's on our podcast occasionally. Mm. Maybe once a month he'll come in, and we have what uh, we call Kitchen. He does all of our graphics for us. And we have a guy called James who's been helping us out recently with, um, in terms of getting sponsors and advertising. Um, he joined our team back in um, about October last year, wasn't it? September, October. Yeah. So, you know, we've actually got some sponsorship recently on the show as well. Um, so he's been good for that. So, yeah, there's about, you know, about five of us at the moment working on it. But it, it would be nice to, you know, maybe get a few more people on deck as well. Because, yeah, it's to ease the workload a little bit. Hmm. Ah, so you have people in the, back, in the background. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, like I kind of do the website and other stuff like that, but Dan is the big editing guy, and he does that. And then we have like when we do events, we have Joe who comes along with Alex as well, and uh, they go and flyer absolutely everyone and get them all kind of involved. So yeah, drag yeah. them over to the stage and yeah, get them watching. Yeah, and then uh, we have a great friend who's uh, Paul Jury from Retro Gamer. And he really helps with events because uh, my dad used to do events with him. So he's actually bringing uh, Matthew Smith to um, play Manchester. So, you know, uh, the guy who did uh, Minor Willie. Mm. Manic Minor. Manic Minor. That's it. And Jesse Willie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, who, got, who got famous for his teeth, actually. Yeah. yeah. And it's it, it like drug addiction at one stage. Um, but he, he was a genius programmer as, as a kid. But he was one of these who... He was a superstar when he was like 14 years old, um, and it got a bit Legendary, overwhelming for him. Yeah, yeah. Then, then he vanished for a long time. No one knew where he was, and there was actually a website set up in about 1999, 2000, called com. There was like a, a worldwide hunt for him, and there's all these stories that he'd been seen in like a monastery in Thailand, <laughs> you know, like all these sightings around the world. But he's actually come back onto the scene again a bit recently. So it's, um, I think this will be the first kind of big retro show he's done, though, won't it? Mm-hmm. Nice, yeah, nice. Yeah. So, though there are a lot of people in the background that your listeners or your YouTube watching uh, watching people don't know about, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we have people, you know, like I said, working on sponsorship and graphics and stuff like that in the background and flyering and that, you know, at events and stuff. So, it all uh, helps helps Ravi and me focus on like you know doing the show itself, which is good. Yeah. And they're all in UK. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, all 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 in our town, actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice! Nice. That should be easy to organize. Yeah, IRL in real life. And, wow. and Dan always ropes the wife in, and I I rope the fiance in as well. So we always use uh, them to hand out flyers as well. We've always got spare staff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> put them to work. Yeah. Great, great. Um, so, is there anything you would do different nowadays if you could restart? all your your retro stuff well i mean i think i think in terms of we, we've kind of found a good format for the show now i think i know i mentioned before about doing a few little tweaks but i think 
in general, it kind of what we do now works well. In the early days, I mean, you know, some of our old episodes, we were still kind of finding our feet, you know, as to what kind of stuff we wanted to cover. And um, I think it took quite a while to kind of get into the swing of knowing like how much news to do every week and what people are interested in, how long to do the interviews and kind of balancing it up. Because we, we, we cover all kinds of stuff, like one week might be a Sega episode, next week might be Nintendo, next week might be Amiga, next week might be Sinclair Spectrum. You know, we, we kind of try and keep it varied. So you don't have like two or three episodes that are all kind of the same kind of theme. So I think that's something we've become a lot better at in the last couple of years, keeping it balanced and planning our guest schedule. So mm. it will be of interest to more people. So I think, you know, Ravi and I, we kind of grew out of it. It was mainly computers that we covered on YouTube, in particular Commodore stuff, really. So we kind of grew out of that scene, really. But obviously there is a, a very big audience for Sega and Nintendo, a lot bigger than, you know, the Commodore community. So getting those in, interested in the show as well is something that we, we're trying to cast the net a bit wider and get more of the console people in. Yeah, I would have got Joe in more. Yeah. <laughs> he's a good console guy. So we, we got him quite late on, though, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, he's been coming in for about two years now, Joe. And Joe is like, you know, one of our co-hosts. He is like Mr. Sega. You know, he's real hardcore Sega nerd. He knows everything about Sega. So often he's good to get on. And, you know, if we're doing shows about that, because he'll have knowledge that Ravi and I haven't got. <laughs> And we always do a Christmas quiz every year. And, oh, yeah. uh, that's always really good fun. And uh, <laughs> me, me and Joe always lose. <laughs> yeah. I'd say that knowledgeably was, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah, interesting that you talk about con um, uh, companies like Sega. For example, <coughs> at some point we had um, Mr. Sega, um, Fabian, um, Mario, Mario Fabian uh, Döhler on the show. Yeah, and yeah. he was like, oh, sure, we can talk about Sonic and, uh, in the old times and then talk about Sonic Mania. But when you have companies like Capcom or Nintendo, they tell you right away, we are not talking about retro. And there's zero chance we ever will. So I, I always found this strange that uh, certain companies don't want to talk about their past, but they are still making money on it, you know, re-releasing the SNES with the SNES Mini, NES Mini, or Capcom with his legacy cartridge edition of Street Fighter and Mega Man, but they don't want to talk about their retro ad adventures or republishing. Yeah. Very weird. I, I think Sega, though, they've actually, especially more so in recent years, they seem to embrace the retro community a lot more. Even, you know, fan projects. Like, you know, Sonic Mania came out of a fan project, really. Uh, Christian Whitehead and that crew. It's like, you could never imagine Nintendo picking up, like, a Mario fan project and developing it into, like, a, an official release. But I think Sega respect their legacy a bit more. It might be because Sega haven't really got many big current, you know, hardware or titles that are AAA yeah, titles right. anymore. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, that they need to rely probably a bit more on their history than someone like Nintendo does. That could be part of it. So you have the same experience I have. Okay, mm. interesting. Yeah, yeah definitely. Mm. Yeah, we, we've had a lot of people on from Sega. Al Nilsson we had on recently, but yeah, Nintendo, we yeah, we haven't really had anyone directly from Nintendo on the show before. And we've had people that work on Nintendo magazines and stuff, but yeah, not from Nintendo itself. Nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they show the corporate line a bit more. Maybe they've got to be careful what they say and everything's got to be approved by the company. Oh, and, yeah, and NDAs maybe. Yeah. Oh, well, nice. So, hmm. well, I don't know. Um, I think I got it covered. Do you yeah, have well, anything left, AJ? Uh, well, no, I just well, where can people go to find out about 
we'll see what you're doing here the podcast your 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 individual channels or see your individual channels i guess yeah it's, it's all on our new website actually ravi's put links to our youtube and everything on there too so uh the retro hour.com and uh the podcast comes out every friday um so we're recording a couple actually on tuesday coming up so um yeah we've got some good ones lined up actually so yeah we want to we've actually had a pretty good start to 2019 so hopefully We've got some big plans for this year, so if people haven't checked out the show, they should have a look. Nice. And we will put links to everything in the podcast description so people can check that out and see what you guys are doing. Great. Great. Thanks a lot. And you guys keep it a good part, too. Well, we we try. We try. Um, Oh, we will. We will. So that was Dan Wood and Ravi Abbott. Like the man said, you can check out all the things they're doing over at theretrohour.com. Us, you know where to find us because you're listening to us. Um, Yeah. So see you next time. I need to get better at doing these exits.